Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, if it were food, even Kevin Godby wouldn't take a picture of it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's episode in Pipe Parts, uh, a visit from uh, the head blender of Cornell and Deal, Jeremy Reeves. And we talk about oriental tobaccos. And then my guest is a part-time, relatively new pipe maker, Johnny Adams. Uh, who uh, got to see it at, at the last Las Vegas International Pipe Show. And uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, before we get started, reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, turn it off. Thank you. Um, Want to help the podcast? Here's how you do it. You leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcast and or on Spotify. Listen all the way through. Yeah, listen all the way through. That helps as well. Listen all the way through to the end. Uh, don't don't skip ahead and do any of that stuff. Just listen all the way through the entire show. And uh, share it out on all your uh, social medias, on the, uh, on the X, the Instas, the Facebooks. Share it out there and let your friends know that you're listening to it. And uh, that helps uh, helps grow the audience. So, yeah, please keep doing that. Those are all ways that you can help the Pipes Magazine radio show, and it costs you absolutely nothing. Uh, remember, brand new shows uh, come out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern United States time, and then they are there for you to download or stream or do whatever you do for eternity. You can go back and listen to every episode. It's all sitting right there. Unless you're on Spotify, then they they uh, they kicked a few off, so... If you're on Spotify, you might miss a few. All right. There we go. And so with that being said, let's get the show started. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco. Why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit tidbits.com, the Pipe Collector's Auction site. We have arrived at 155. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been authentically crafting corn cob pipes continually for 155 years. To celebrate, we're hosting a 155th anniversary celebration on Saturday, September 28, 2024. There will be ticketed working plant tours, an exhibit on the corn cob pipe industry by Skillet Fork Pipe Museum, a live podcast of the Gray Woody Show, a smoking tent for your enjoyment, and so much more. 
The 155th anniversary celebration will be held in conjunction with Downtown Washington's Fall Festival of the Arts and Crafts with food, beverages, live music, and over a hundred vendors. Visit our Facebook page at Cool Smoking Pipes for fun event updates and more information. Missouri Meerschaum Company, since 1869. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Pipe Parts is the guy who's got the most fun job I could imagine until everything goes wrong. Then he doesn't have the most fun job I could imagine, but uh, he is the head blender of Cornell and Deal. It's Jeremy Reeves. Jeremy, welcome back. Thank you so much, Brian. I think you have a pretty fun job, too. I, I, I will say doing a podcast and organizing a pipe show is a lot more stress than dealing with mother nature, dealing with, uh, employees, dealing with tobacco that doesn't do what you want it to do. And then dealing with, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't want your job. Sorry. You, you got to keep it. <laughs> um, are you ready for your question? I sure am. So Sean writes in, uh, Jeremy. A few years ago, I had a tin of an Oriental Forward blend that didn't agree with me. I tried different pipes, freshly cleaned pipes, and various accompanied drinks, but every bowl tasted sour. Ever since, I have avoided Orientals under assumption that I didn't like one or more of the specific varietals, Bosma or Izmir or whichever. But as time passed, I've tried blends that I enjoyed and only found out later contained Orientals. Hmm. I have smelled some blends that I thought would be sour, but have not tasted that off flavor again. My question is this. If a smoker has a bad reaction to a blend that highlights a particular varietal in its description, is it more likely to be the leaf itself, the amount of that leaf, or something about the processing of that leaf like a topping? Thanks for your time, Sean. Wow. Yeah. Um, this, this comes more under, um, more to me under personal opinion or mm -hmm. uh, personal perspective than it does actually any factual scientific stuff. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so... It, it sounds to me like there was one blend that he was, you know, definitely aware right. uh, contained Oriental. That blend didn't agree with him. And then based on his experience with that one blend, he assumed that this was an issue for him with all blends that might contain Orientals. Then later on, he realized that there were blends that maybe did contain Orientals, but he didn't know about it because the blend description didn't specifically mention it. Yeah. And then he learned about it later and those were okay. Um, there could be some element of, of uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I find this in myself. If I'm told something is there, I'm more likely to notice it, focus on it, hunt for it, think about it. Mm -hmm. than if I'm not, uh, it's much more difficult to figure out from scratch what something is just based on smoking than it is to kind of know, up front what the manufacturer has said is there and then you go like oh i think that's this that i'm tasting or oh i think that's that um so there may be some psychosomatic uh aspect to this sure. um it could also certainly be you know maybe maybe that blend had a whole bunch 
of, of a particular leaf in it that uh, the, the balance of the blend just wasn't right for, for your tastes, um, or it could be some sort of unintended consequence uh, of blending one leaf type and another leaf type, and these things create new flavors that neither one or the other of the original components necessarily have on their own. But when you mix them together, it could, it creates another sensation. Um, so that could also be, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I'm describing situations where I think this kind of thing could happen, even though there might be blends that contain Oriental that, that, uh, he would enjoy there to me there are so many variables in this because we don't know the blend we don't know the source of the orientals right. we don't know the uh maybe it's just the wrong cut for that uh there's so many different so many different variables to it and it's part of the reason why i think what cornell and deal you have about uh 6.2 million different blends in your in your catalog <laughs> right now last count that was it 6. yeah 6. Yeah. Million. <laughs> and, and you know, it could be something as simple as what I've called the water, you know, the water in the factory where you just, whatever that manufacturer does, you may not like it totally specifically. Um, I tried probably 50 to 60 different Latakia forward blends. And after the 50 or 60, I realized I don't like Latakia. And, mm -hmm. but it was trying and going through that process of taste testing them all and, you know, trying different ways. And then of course I was being paid to smoke them so that I knew what they smoked like so that I could sell them. So that made it a little <laughs> easier. Um, anybody want me to smoke a Latakia blend? You got to pay me first and I'm not cheap. What I is What is your hourly Latakia smoking rate? Um, well, it depends on how much you want me to care about it. If you want me to smoke an hour's worth of Latakia, <laughs> yeah, you need a whole nother budget. Um, okay. yeah. Um, no, but I've actually, you know, if somebody wants me to review a blend for the show, I'm happy to, Yeah, and I can, but going back to going back to what Sean picked up on here is you know, this is part of the joy of the joy of pipe smoking isn't you know, it's not finding the best blend. It's finding the blend that works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll talk about another manufacturer since they shut their doors and left us high and dry a certain McClelland when they came out with their grand Orientals line. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was one that I really liked the rest of them. I couldn't pick up any nuances from it. Uh, you know, and, and then there was a couple that they shoved Latakia in and I was like, well, whatever, um, but there was one that I, that I enjoyed the rest of them. I didn't really detect much or I didn't like the taste of it. So it's that trial and consistent, you know, trying of different things. Um, and then when you start talking about Orientals and you'll, you can, you can talk about this better than I can. Uh, there's some real, um, quality and sourcing issues Mm -hmm. nowadays That's true. Uh, yeah the uh so oriental tobacco is predominantly uh used in cigarettes um and so as cigarette smoking numbers are steadily declining 
there is less and less of a less and less of a big standing customer for all of these oriental crops and the area where where oriental tobacco uh, comes from some of some of that region is really really difficult to farm in and so for a farmer to grow uh, a crop of tobacco um, in some of these parts of, of Turkey or uh, Macedonia or um, Bulgaria, the, the conditions make the whole process so labor intensive that if at the end of it, you don't have somewhere to sell your tobacco, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to justify doing when you could be doing lots of other things for your money. Um, and so that, that's played a role. Um, and for, for a long, long time, uh, RJ Reynolds, uh, put a bunch of money into experiments, trying to figure out a stateside area that oriental tobacco could be grown. And they were never able to find anything that could replace the qualities of the tobacco being grown in Turkey or Bulgaria, um, and so, or Greece, and so so there is no U.S. grown Oriental type tobacco. Yeah. Um, so you've got importation and export costs involved, but you've also got lots of changing uh, political uh, landscape in that area as well that make export difficult, um, and then and then just the the trials of of tobacco growing in in that climate and in that area um, that, you know, we're seeing less and less oriental grown every year. Um, and so there's less and less available to kind of go around. So yeah, I, I spend a lot of our time, or a lot of my time tracking down sources for for oriental, not for right now, I've got enough to use right now, I'm trying to track down constantly sources for tobaccos that we can use in the future. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned RJ Reynolds. That reminded me of the time I was, when I was working for Peter Stokeby and I got a phone call. <laughs> it was from the guys at RJ Reynolds and said, uh, do you have some of that, uh, that, that Latakia stuff? Cause, uh, we heard about it and we're interested to find out about it. I was like, Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So, uh, I mean, my, you know, to sum it up, my, my message to you, Sean, is it may just have been a blend that just didn't work for you and yep. keep trying until you find one that does work for you. Um, I have a couple of blends that I enjoy that are oriental that have, uh, have an oriental added into them as a, you know, as a condiment, but mm -hmm. yeah, none of it works as my regular. And I think, uh, I think Jeremy's probably got a big enough selection of different Oriental blends that, you know, you may not live long enough to try them all. <laughs> um, you know, one thing you, you might want to try also, uh, Sean, is uh, we, we offer uh, an Oriental blend uh, that we use um, for, for blending. Um, and you can purchase that. You can purchase like an ounce of straight Oriental from us. Um, and there are other manufacturers that, that do this as well. One thing you might want to do is actually pick up just some straight Oriental 
and familiarize yourself with sort of the flavor characteristics. And it's pretty, it's a pretty broad spectrum. Um, There's a lot of different flavor profiles that can come from different types of Oriental. Uh, So ours is a a mix of Izmir and Basma. uh, And, and uh, so you can kind of see what those leaf types taste like, but other manufacturers may have other, other specific oriental varietals that they offer in a straight bulk uh, category for you to check out and kind of see and and see how those do for you just smoking them straight. It will also help you pick up on things that oriental might be doing in a blend uh, where it's present, but maybe not specifically tagged in the description of, of that blend. Jeremy, thank you again for your honesty and your uh, straightforwardness and for wearing that sexy beard net. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents, and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us, if many of you will remember from the most from the past two Las Vegas International Pipe shows, you might have seen these two guys with the rock star lifestyle and attitude and hair. Well, we had Gray on a couple months back. The other part of that dynamic duo is uh, Johnny Adams of J. Adams Pipes. Johnny, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. It's uh, an honor to be uh, asked to come on here. Yeah. So, all right. Let's let's get your uh, superhero origin story and find out where you got that very intelligent sounding British accent from. Yeah. Well, originally I'm from Leeds, West Yorkshire, in England. I was kind of I grew up there um, and basically spent spent kind of the first half of my life over in England. Obviously, kind of going to school, going to college. Um, I went and got a degree in electronic engineering and that enabled me to actually, uh, kind of move here to the, the States, which I did in 1997 and I've been here ever since. So I got to ask you though, but growing up in Leeds, I'm assuming that your favorite tea is, is a Yorkshire gold. It, it is Yorkshire tea. That is my favorite. The other one I used to like was Tetley tea as well. Okay. All right. Well, very good. Very good. Um, so uh, <laughs> when, when the, how did you fall in love with the, with the engineering side? Uh, there's a funny story behind that actually, because I kind of, there was a recession around kind of the late eighties. And I, I really originally wanted to be a civil engineer. That was kind of my idea. Was like, I want to be a civil engineer. I thought kind of uh, that would be something really interesting to go into. My careers counselor said, 
<clears throat> there's not really any jobs in civil engineering. You'll have to pick something else. Now, I was a guitar player at the time. So I figured, hey, if I do it for electronics, I'll be able to fix my amplifier. <laughs> that was my whole that was my whole career decision was based on that. So <laughs> luckily it's worked out for me. <laughs> did your but did your amplifier ever break? Uh, it has, and I have been able to fix it. So it okay. actually it, it did actually achieve the goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there I go. So have, have you worked all your life as an engineer or a musician or a, a musical engineer or a train conductor or? Yeah. Yep. So I, no, I've always basically been an electronic engineer. Um, I, I tried to be, make money and a living out of being a musician, but as <laughs> with most musicians, that didn't pan out quite so well. But luckily, I had the decent day job. Um, I mean, I still play guitar a lot, but no, I've been electronic engineer the whole time. Um, I now work in audio electronics. I kind of went through various other parts of electronics, working in semiconductors and various other things. But yeah, now now I kind of now work in audio electronics. So I kind of combine my two passions of electronics and kind of audio, and that's kind of what I get to work in on my regular day job. So as we're recording this on Zoom, is it really bothering you that I've got my pipe this close to my microphone and I'm happily blowing smoke around the microphone? Uh, actually, no. No, it doesn't okay. bother me that much. I mean, you, you've actually got the you got the screen on it, so it's not too bad. That will catch most of the stuff anyway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, so when the uh, when when and how is the fascination with pipe smoking? Yeah, there's a story behind that because my dad used to smoke a pipe um, back when I was little. He kind of yeah, I think he started in like the '60s, and when I was small, like during the '70s and early '80s, he smoked a pipe. Um, I always thought there was something fascinating about that. I mean, around the early 80s, he kind of quit smoking a pipe and kind of, you know, went to cigarettes. But he always told me, like, when he retired, he wanted to go back to pipe smoking. In the end, he actually didn't. Um, but that was kind of, I guess that was my first interest in pipes. Yeah. So it was just something cool about that. Um, so I always saw him smoking a pipe. Being the classic Yorkshireman, they were not expensive pipes. No, <laughs> they, were, they were all cheap. In fact, the one I remember the most was actually a Falcon. Um, and I got the opportunity to get myself a Falcon that I wanted kind of last year as my little my tribute to my dad. I actually, you know, in Land's Tobacco Store in Stratford on Avon, I actually found oh. a purple Falcon, and it was uh, it's weird. I've got some very nice pipes, uh, some of the very well, yeah. you know. Good makes, you know, Barbies and Rasmussen's and various, but I, I'm, one of my favorites is the cheap purple Falcon because it reminds me of my dad. <laughs> do you remember what tobaccos he smoked, what his choice was? I do indeed. His favorite was Condor. Okay. Yep. His favorite was Condor. So whenever I go back, I usually try and kind of grab a couple of pouches for me. I bring a couple for Gray usually as well. Yeah. Um, I screwed up last time. I only brought one pouch back, and it ran out really quick. And I was like, "Why the hell did I not buy one?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so did you start smoking a pipe as soon as you were old enough, or? No, I, I didn't actually. I mean, I, I I started smoking cigarettes, and very mm -hmm. quickly realized I couldn't afford them, so I ended up going to roll my own cigarettes. Yeah. Um, I really didn't smoke a pipe until I met Gray. Um, and it was actually quite late into making gray. It was like probably a couple of years before COVID started. Like okay. we were hanging out. I go 
like when when he spends his time in Central California, I go hang out with him, and he goes, "Do you want to try smoking a pipe?" And I was like, "Yeah, why not? I smoke cigars once in a while, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll totally try smoking a pipe." And he gave me an, a really nice Comoy billiard, and as okay, this one's yours, and I was like, "Okay, great." Um, first couple of pipes were a struggle. I didn't know how to smoke them. I was trying to smoke it like a cigarette and inhale, and that was that, yeah, yeah, it all went horribly wrong. Um, uh, but I kind of gradually got into it and, and just, I, I think it's one of those things that pipes my first six months are a little rough until you figure out actually how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, then, I just want, I just want to back up. I mean, did gray tell you how to do it right? And you just refused or did he just let you go through the hazing of torturing yourself with i'm gonna i'm gonna watch no, him suffer pretty, no i'm pretty no he showed me how to pack the pipe and i think he showed me how to not inhale i think i just couldn't do it yeah. <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> it was because uh, i was kind of inhaled cigars when i smoked those a little bit too as well but i think yeah it's yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So I think he, he did try. No, he wasn't just kind of throwing me in at the deep end. And uh, but yeah, no, he, he did try. I think I just couldn't do it, and it, it, it took a while. Like you know, I was still packing them wrong, even though he showed me how to do it too. It took, right. it took a while before you get the hang of it. Yeah, well, and, and it, it's a lot like learning a musical instrument, where you can have an expert show you, but until you get the muscle memory. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very it's very true. You, yeah, the expert can show you exactly how to play something, but until you kind of just practice and practice and practice, you you're not going to get it right. Yeah, yeah, you just have to get that muscle memory down, and then you have to figure it out when all of a sudden you have a different pipe and a different kind of tobacco, and you're like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah, the drier tobacco versus a damper tobacco, and yeah, and yeah, and you find out what tobaccos you like and what you don't as well. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so how do we get from you with one Kamoys to high grades and all this? I, I'm assuming you just dove right in and I kind of did dive right in. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, it was literally, I think the first year was a little slow. I kind of did smoke the Kamoy and then, yeah, luckily knowing Gray, who had you know kind of he'd been carving for quite a while, he had some kind of really nice ones. He, the next one he gave me was a, a chip carved on Paul that is just absolutely fantastic, fantastic. Like one of my most sacred pipes because he, he did that one really early on. Um, and you know, we gradually got into it, and I think we kind of you know I just started buying a few more pipes. I started not with super expensive ones, but you know get, you know I found the odd deal on like a Savinelli autograph or something like that. And then, you know, Gray started showing me some of the, you know, the better pipes and yeah, but it's like you say, it's one of those hobbies where it fishes you in really quickly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, before you know it, you're like, how have I ended up with 40 pipes? You're like, where the hell did that happen? But yeah, it, so it kind of, it just fishes you in. And it, yeah, I did that over a couple of years during COVID because there wasn't much else to do. We were, you know, we made our bubble, but we were doing kind of, you know, face, FaceTiming each other and just having a pipe just to, yeah. you know, keep our sanity. And we'd send pictures of each other of pipes that were online. And yeah, we, we both blew all our money on most of those pipes and the tobacco during that period. <laughs> um, and that was kind of during the COVID was actually when I started making pipes with Gray as well. It was, uh, that, that was kind of how that came about. 
All right, let's take a break right here. When we come back, we'll we'll talk about the making of pipes. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Johnny Adams. And uh, all right, so Gray says, was it you that went to Gray and said, hey, I'm an electronics engineer. I want to make a pipe out of wood. <laughs> yeah, no, it seems quite a jump, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was, the funny thing was, I always enjoyed like woodshop classes at school. I always enjoyed like the woodshop, metal shop. Um, but I guess I would, you know, I came from a family of math teachers, so I was destined to either be a math teacher or something to do with math, and I really did not want to be a teacher. So I figured <laughs> out engineering was a, something that meant I didn't have to do that. Um, but I mean, I didn't get the chance of kind of really going and having, you know, the fun of having a workshop and making things, but I always like making things. Yeah. So it, it kind of came about, like I say, during COVID, we we're hanging out together. We created our little bubble. I would go hang out in his garage up in kind of in Grover. And he just goes, we can get some pipe kits. You can make a pipe with me if you want. I go, yeah, that kind of sounds like fun. I'm like, we just hang out here on a weekend. We'll kind of, we didn't really have a lot of tools. I think we bought a motor and a French wheel. And we, you know, we figured out, you know, with kit pipes, look at they were already drilled. So that, that was how we started out. We just started out with, I think the first 10 I made were basically just from kit pipes. Did you spend time working on, after the kit pipes, did you spend time working on the classics and trying to figure out the, uh, you know, the classic bulldog billiard? Not really. No, I kind of, yeah, I thought about that. And we've, yeah, I've done some of the classics, obviously, mm-hmm. You know, sins, but yeah, no, I kind of, I you know, I'm I'm not kind of your normal standard, as you can probably tell, and everyone who's met us at the pipe show, or I'm kind of not your normal standard. So I came at it, I'm just like, no, I'm just going to do what shapes come to mind at the time. I mean, I do like the classics, but I also I like a lot of the you know the different shapes and something that's interesting. So I kind of came out from that. I'm like, just going to come up with what I want to do. Right. You know, it was like inspired by the pipes that I like or just, you know, different ideas. The first one I ever made, actually, we call it the boat because it basically it looks like the front end of a, a ship. <laughs> that was kind of that was the first one we came up with. <laughs> if it looked like the Titanic. Um, no. Yep. A little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
All right. So inside, inside the inside your head, you've got the you've got the electrical engineer, which is very mathematical and precise. But then you've also yeah. got the musician. Is the pipe making more feeding the musician side of the head? Both. It's both. Because it's. Um, I mean. Yeah, if you think the electronic side is engineering and math, so I, I'm very, I'm very much one of those that, you know, does the measuring, does the angles, does that. But then also, it depends on what mood I'm in at the time. You know, so sometimes I'll be kind of you know, mathematical about how the shape is, and sometimes it'll be just no, it'll be a total freehand. You know, it'll yeah, like it'll be something that's just this is what this is going to do. So it, it kind of depends on where, where I'm coming from and you know, what, my, what my frame of mind is at the time, whether I'm kind of more artistic or more in the engineering mood. And the, the, first, uh, the first Vegas yeah. Pipe Show, you guys didn't have a table. You were just roaming free. Were there pipe, yep. ma were there pipe makers that caught your attention and was that really the first chance you had to put your hands on some different pipe maker stuff and see it up close? Yeah, it was. And I mean, that, 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 that time was such a revelation. I really, really thank you for putting that together. Because we, I mean, we, Gray had not been to a pipe show. I'd obviously not been to a pipe show. We were just like, well, let's go check it out and see what it's like. And it was, yeah, it was the first chance to go and kind of, you know, meet a lot of the kind of the big names in pipe making, see some of what they make. Um, it, it was amazing see the quality of kind of, you know, the, the manufacturer of some of those, the way they've kind of, you know, the craftsmanship, um, but also to just, you know, see how awesome that kind of community is and the, the, how welcoming that community is. I mean, we, we got tips from like, you know, Nate King, uh, you know, it's, it, people like that who are just open about it. It was, it was quite kind of, uh, quite eye opening to kind of meet everyone and have everyone just be open about it. like, yeah, we had, we had a few pipes with us that we brought and we showed them and we got tips on how you know things to do and it was yeah it was fantastic to um, like say see, yeah see some of what the different people were doing see some of the different shapes you know get the inspiration and I think that really fired us up actually that first uh, Vegas pipe show because we were just making whatever we wanted whenever we wanted we're like and we were. We're kind of just stealing each other's at that point. Yeah, I'd make one, and Greg goes, "I like that." I'm like, "Okay, here." And yeah, and <laughs> that was kind of how it was. We we hadn't even thought of kind of going further than that until we we went to that first Vegas pipe show. And uh, after that, we just said, "Like, we should get a table next year." So none of none of the guys that you showed pipes to or the other pipe makers just laughed you off straight away and said, "Yeah," said, "Bugger off, lad." Not to our face, no. at least. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then we're both over six feet tall and big, long-haired kind of rockers, so yeah. maybe that was why. It probably went laugh behind our backs. That's fine. Yeah, le yeah, leather jackets, long hair. You know, your typical leadsman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what is so? What part of the pipe making is your is your full time? You, you've got a full time gig, and now the pipe making is just is more of a fun part time thing, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it, it's uh, to be honest, it's actually it's it's my sanity. Yeah, because the the day job is pretty kind of you know it's pretty fast paced. It's pretty it can be pretty stressful at times. And pipe making is for me is the it's relaxation. 
I just I get I get so much enjoyment of it just being in the workshop and getting a chance to yeah I can put the phone down and not pay attention to emails and yeah and text messages and all the stuff that's coming through I'll kind of just focus on kind of making the pipe and kind of yeah yeah go over to the lathe kind of enjoy kind of you know, Working on there, I enjoy just like the hand sanding, the filing. It's kind of, I just find it relaxing. It's, uh, yeah, it's the antithesis to the day job. <laughs> yeah. Are you, uh, are you looking at the block and then working the block for the shape or are you still, are you kind of picking the shape first and then going into it? I've done a bit of both. Um, I am trying to now kind of like, see what the block tells me to do in terms of the grain. Sometimes you get somewhere the grain doesn't tell you anything. Then you kind of just, okay, I'll make up a shape and we'll figure out what that's going to be. But sometimes the, yeah, sometimes we get the block where it totally tells you what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the block and you go, I'm going to do that to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how often or how much time during the day are you spending smoking a pipe now? Um, I pretty much I smoke a pipe every day. It's actually become part of my morning routine now. It's actually you know, you know um, smoked a lot of things over the years, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, realize most of them don't help. And I find that like you know the the pipe. I have a pipe in the morning with my morning coffee, and it's that sets me up for the day, and that's uh, that, that just it clears my mind. I I, I now understand why kind of all people like you know Einstein and C.S. Lewis and all these people who used to smoke a pipe it something about it it relaxes you and it kind of so for me it's like yeah I have to have that pipe in the morning it set me up for the day there's times where I'm rushed and I don't get one and it kind of screws with my day <laughs> yeah wouldn't you I, I the oh I'm gonna miss the name of it but wouldn't you love to just go back to that pub and sit down with Lewis and Tolkien and have a pipe with them and it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it would be. And they'd look at you and go, why, why does your pipe look so strange? <laughs> like, what the hell are you smoking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, in your pipe making, you're also not afraid of colors. So you, you do like yep. to play with colors and different stem materials. Are you experimenting more and more with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, one of the... One of the great things about being English and going back to see my family is I got uh, I got to make friends with Chris Kelly from Eldridge Pipes, who yeah. obviously does a lot of the resin stems. So, you know, we, we ended up being friends. I actually got to sit down and kind of mold some of my own stem material with him, which was kind of like, oh. which is, that that's quite a, an awesome thing to do because then it means you, you really, you start with a block and you start with the rod that you kind of sat with and molded. It's kind of, that's quite a, an awesome thing it means you can kind of yeah come up with different things right you know you, you can come up with what you want to do but yeah I, I like to experiment with a lot of things I mean uh, I'm just obviously still fairly early into it, this kind mm -hmm. of yeah this kind of pipe making thing so yeah experimenting with colors accents different materials for stems um, just started trying to do things with silver, which is kind of, you know, it's an interesting mm -hmm. one to try and figure out as well. It's quite a challenge. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, me and Gray are both about like experimenting. We're always wanting to try different things, new things. It's going to work out sometimes, sometimes it's not. Uh, and sometimes you go, 
well, that didn't quite work, but I think I can get it to if I work at it a bit more. So, yeah. Well, and I've always, I've always liked the idea that the, that the pipe makers that are doing this as a secondary income or a second, as a hobby job that you're having a chance. Yeah. It's fun time for you. So the fun comes through in the work that you're doing because it's just passionate fun. You're not being, you're not being forced to get up in the morning and say, okay, I've got to make a billiard today. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. There is a big benefit to that because I, I, yeah, I know like some of the people that do commissions, they, they're, yeah, I get asked to do the same shape over and over and over. So yeah, yeah. we we are very much lucky that like no, I, I kind of make what I want, right, uh, and can try whatever I want. And like we say, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. We got quite a few shot pipes where it didn't work out, right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and those you keep or, or now gray has a collection of them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it, it, it is a, um, you know, and it's like the, it's like the podcast for me is fun time. Cause it's, you know, it's not the serious stuff and you get to go and play and have a good time and talk pipes and, and do stuff like that. Uh, yep. you know, if you wanted to do something over and over again, I would guess that there's more, uh, electronics jobs that you could do that are over and over again and probably pays a little bit better than the pipe stuff. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I know it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things you're right. I mean, it, obviously the electronics <laughs> world does pay quite well. So that's kind of really why that's going to be probably retained being the day job. But I, I think at some point I will retire from that. Don't think I'll actually retire from pipe making. The it's it's just one of those things that I'm yeah. I'm kind of hooked. We we've we've set up this workshop now in LA that me and Gray work at, and it's it's basically our man cave. It's we <laughs> it's how we just hang out. We relax. There's guitars in here. There's a drum kit. We've got a driving simulator. We do, we literally just come and hang out here together. <laughs> we do and 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 sometimes we make pipes, right? <laughs> Uh, have you ever have you ever built and wound your own pickups? Uh, not actually tried winding my own pickups. I haven't tried that. I've okay. I've made my own pedals. Um, that's you know work. Uh, that, that's oh. something I've done. I've made my own amplifiers. Never actually tried winding my own pickups. Can you still do a tube amplifier? That was one of the ones that I made. Yeah, oh. that was a tube amplifier. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's the only chance of a good, of an amplifier making me sound good. Um, yep. yeah. All right. And you mentioned the drive driving. I'm assuming that that's golf driving or is that car? Is that race car driving? Race car driving. Yeah. So I do, I do have a couple of cars. I like to take to the track when I can. And that, that was how me and Nate kind of hit it off. Cause we had oh, yeah. a car background and I do. So yeah. So yeah, the simulator is a little practice for me, Gray and my son, to kind of get the hang of a track before we go there. So, yeah. And there goes a fast car right now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of loud around this workshop. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people come down this street. <laughs> All right, I am not a, I'm not much of a car guy, but I do have a uh, inappropriate relationship with my 2015 Mini Cooper. You want to name drop some of the cars that you've got? Uh, yeah, well, a few people know I do actually, well, I have a BMW M2 that's basically one of the ones that kind of, we kind of share and take my son out and Gray's going to get a chance to go out in that too. Um, but the, the other one I've got that luckily the day job paid pretty well for is I have a McLaren, which I was pretty lucky to get. 
<laughs> That's right, kids. You just heard McLaren on the Pipes yeah. Magazine radio show. Um, that's the plastic aerospace, all fancy, body parted, super bizarre, weird shaped cars that go really fast, right? Yeah, it is ridiculous. And as a like a kid growing up in York and England, the thought of ever owning something like that was just you know, out there. That's like it's just not a feasibility. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I got a chance to get one, so I was like. <sighs> Probably shouldn't. The smart part of me told me uh, you should probably save your money. Um, but uh, the little kid said, uh, go get it. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell this story real quick about how the, uh, the, the, um, the kid part of me said, you need to buy a 10-year-old Aston Martin DB9. And then the wife and the sane side of me said, the maintenance and insurance on that car would be more than what you would spend on the car uh, over <laughs> the price to buy. It was like three years worth of maintenance and insurance. And I was like, I really can't see how to do that. So, <laughs> so. no, it is true. I, I was hoping that my, my fiance would actually be the voice of reason, but she said, now you should do it. And I was like, damn it. Now I've got no, no barriers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, now that we've talked about supercars, um, where do your pipes start out at price wise? Um, I, I probably in like the 200 range. Um, I, we want to, obviously we hanker all the stems. I don't use any pre-made stems. Um, so kind of start in that like two to two fifty range. And then, if we've got a particular one that we've got a, a kind of lot of work into and particularly good grain, then maybe up to the 400, 450 range. But, so yeah. the, these are fun. These are part-time hobby pipe maker prices, not full-time pipe maker prices. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying I've seen them. I've touched them. Uh, to see them, you can go on, go on to Instagram and it's J the letter J Adams pipes on Instagram, any place else where we can see your pipes? Uh, the moment, the Instagram, I am planning to set up a website. I think we'll set up a website for me and gray. Uh, but at the moment, Instagram's the place to get hold of us. The, the gray van K and J pipes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. We haven't done any collabs yet for Molino. You would think uh, we would, because we, we are kind of, yeah, I mean, most pipe bankers are kind of solitary people, aren't they? They kind of just work on their own. We're, we're weird that we do. We, we influence each other. Obviously, we kind of we provide input to mm -hmm. each other, but we haven't done a collaboration yet. Although at the end of last year, we did talk about it. So we we'll probably will do some collaborations. I think that's, that's going to be in the future for sure. Uh, has Gray done any ink on you? He's done, yep, he's done quite a bit. My whole left arm is pretty much uh, Gray's work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so if you come to a pipe show and you and you see them now you can see what uh you can see what gray's work looks like yeah i mean gray is a an incredible artist in any format i mean like you know woodwork um painting uh tattooing like any is just yeah he's such an inspiration i mean it was kind of like i say seeing his pipes i was like well okay i'll i'll try yeah, and um, obviously it's, it's a good inspiration for me to sit next to. He's just a fantastic artist. It's kind of, we actually we chat about that. I'm an engineer with a bit of artistic uh, 
side to it and he's an artist with a little engineering side to it so that's that kind of where our crossover is <laughs> so his pipes are shaped really nicely and coolly and your pipes are drilled perfectly and flush fit and everything's measured and and uh, very well calculated yeah getting there yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he's very picky on the lines and kind of the flow and i'm i am it's true i am the one that's more picky about the flush fit and the, the dead centered really and it's yeah so we, yeah our pickiness is slightly different absolutely johnny we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready i'm ready what is your favorite pipe my favorite pipe is the first chip carved pipe that Gray gave me. Yeah. And what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, right now, it's actually Sparkplug, one of uh, Greg's blends. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite drink? I would say it's going to be a single malt, like a Bruin 16. Well, ain't that fancy of you. Yep. <laughs> Nobody from <laughs> no, no proper leadsman would ever drink single malt scotch. No, we used to drink a lot of beer. I, yeah. I had to cook. I'm getting older now, and all that fluid doesn't work so well anymore. That's why I've, that's, that's why I've uh, moved to whiskey. <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? That one definitely depends on the mood I'm in. It's depending on the day. It's one of the three. Yeah, or it depends on what you've had all day long, and you want the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Has it been a crazy day? Then I'm probably just going to veg in front of the TV. Um, sometimes, yeah, I'll read a book, and then obviously music is always going to be there. Music's always there yeah. somewhere. And then finally, a uh, favorite pipe smoking-related memory? I think for me, it's like that first Vegas show. Um, that was just like, that was the just something that fired it off for both me and gray i mean i think yeah like we say he he kind of obviously worked at the tinderbox and then that closed down it yeah. kind of like yeah it kind of it fizzled a bit for him with that it kind of lifted a bit as we started making pipes but the yeah getting to spend time with you guys and everyone at the first vegas show that really fired it up and it kind of it brought back like i say smoking a pipe reminds me of my dad that's what i you know and then you were silly enough to come back for a second time to the Vegas show. And, and yeah, we'll show you how silly we are. We're going to come back for more too. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it's at J Adams pipes on Instagram. Johnny, thank you very much for coming on. And, and thank you for being a, uh, a colorful inspiration into the pipe world for us. You're very welcome. We're going to keep adding more color to it. Definitely. There we go. And we'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I love 
love, love, love the diversity of people that are in the piping, tobacco smoking, hobby making of stuff. I mean, now we just had a guitar playing rock, a uh, guitar playing rock and roll guy who also drives a McLaren and is making pipes part time. I mean, how how more diverse can you get? All right, and uh, inspired by that for music, um, Alex Lifeson of Rush, probably one of the most underrated guitar players ever, and this is one of my favorite songs that kind of features his guitar work on it. So this is uh, <laughs> this is Rush's "Fly By Night." said it before uh, Getty Lee on vocals and bass 
also rumored to be a pipe smoker. Well, let's see what's in the mail. And remember, mailbag comments or questions can be emailed to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. Segment ideas, guest suggestions, questions for uh, Jeremy Reeves. You can email those all to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. Or you can post your comments on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Just like Dino does every week, and going back to last week's show, Dino says, a nice review of the billiard pipe shape and why it is foundational. Where on earth did you get the billiard glasses reference? Uh, I remembered that from about uh, 10, 11 years ago when I was doing some research on shape origins, and there was an article that I stumbled across, and I can't really tell you where, but uh, it was in reference to the British billiard-shaped eyeglasses. Uh, then he goes on to say, uh, Jim was a very, con- a very congenial and interesting guest with a fascinating backstory. The conversation about tobacco and blending was quite informative. Perfect choice for seasonal music. Vivaldi's Four Seasons is a favorite of mine. Amen to your rant. Thanks for another always entertaining show, Dino. You are welcome, Dino. And Casey Ghost says, good review of the billiard shape. I can attest to the fact when carvers are presented with a request to make a billiard, they hear, give me your take on a billiard. Uh, At the KC Pipe Show, we did a contest on making the billiard. The carvers had from the time when we announced the contest until the pipe show started to make one. Over three months they had. They were told it had to be the billiard shape. Told them over and over. A total of 57 pipes were entered and exactly four of them did it. Easiest pipe to describe and toughest to make. Yeah. Uh, The selection of Jim Steffi was priceless. About all you had to do was ask a simple question and get ready for the answer at length. Definitely a very enjoyable and humorous guest. I can uh, emphasize with him on the first time he encountered GLP's Westminster. For Latakia lovers, it was the equivalent of finding the perfect English. The Dark Lord indeed. Uh, Vivaldi has never been a real favorite of mine, but his four seasons was a reasonable pick for the season. Good rant. Thanks. Uh, that's nice to get happy stuff from uh, Casey Ghost. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, Motor John 68 said, great episode. Jim was an interesting guest, and I suspect he's going to affect my smoking experience positively. Our expected low temp next Tuesday is 5 degrees and Wednesday is minus 3. I'd say your Vivaldi selection was on point. Kind regards, John. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's cold here today, too. (laughs) Too cold for me. Um, And Heavy Lead Belly said, just listen to the episode, and though I could go back and find his email address, would it be good to post here, too, in case we want to get a blend from him? Yeah, so it's posted there in the chat, and it's emersonsouthern at yahoo.com. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and rant time is coming up next. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. 
Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. a hoarder. I'm not a hoarder. I am a, a somewhat obsessive compulsive serial collector. That's what I call myself. Obsessive compulsive serial collector. And I am the leading expert on my own opinion. So here it is. Uh, a hoarder hoards everything, keeps everything. Well, I like throwing out some stuff, but I am a serial collector. In addition to the pipes and tobaccos that I collect, I've got watches that I collect. I've got Disney stuff that I collect. And, and I'm going to come out of the closet right now. Um, I have started, uh, accidentally, I've amassed a collection of uh, little stuffed animals from different parts of the world. Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a donkey. I've got two donkeys from Greece. I've got a little moose from Sweden. Uh, I've got a bear and a little log from Alaska. And these are little souvenirs that I've bought while I've been out traveling around. And you know what? Instead of buying a t-shirt or something that's going to wear out after a while or another coffee mug, because I don't need those because I have a collection of Disney coffee mugs. Uh, guess what? Yeah, that's what I buy. Uh, now, when it comes to my standard items that I like to purchase, if I find something that I like, I will buy it. And I will buy a bunch of it. If you notice right now, the Jeep lighters are hard to find. Well, I've got about 70 of them because I like them and I know I'm going to use them. If I find a line of clothing that I like, you know, say, for example, my Psycho Bunny stuff. Well, if I can get a deal on them and I like it, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to stockpile it. Uh, you know, the worst thing in the world is finding underwear that you really like and then you go back and you can't find the same brand and the same size or the same fit anymore because they discontinued it. Well, I am a serial obsessive compulsive collector and sometimes a master of stuff, but I am not a hoarder and I hope my wife listens to this, but I doubt she will. So there, there you go. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Um, as this show goes out on Tuesday night, well, the moving truck gets here on Thursday, and they start packing and loading us for Florida. I will do uh, two shows pre-recorded for you, so that way I won't have to worry about rushing and you know make sure everything's okay on the other end. It'll take a couple weeks to get set up in the new house. So uh, keep me in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, thank you to uh, Brad Hochter for the inspiration for uh, this week's joke at the beginning of the show. That was from uh, Lord of the Pipe Rings. Yeah, our own Brad. 
And uh, thank you to Jeremy for joining me. Thank you to Johnny for joining me. And thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. The clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Do you make an effort to be obnoxious or is it a gift?